On August 24, 1961, tensions in Germany increased 11 days after construction was begun on the Berlin Wall by the German Democratic Republic. Western troops rushed to the Berlin border after the East German government reduced entry points from 12 to 7. Choices on television included The Donna Reed Show, Bat Masterson, Bachelor Father, The Real McCoys, and My Three Sons. And the first full day of the Abbott Magic Manufacturing Company's 1961 Magic Get-Together began in Colon, Michigan, the magic capital of the world. The headline attraction was, in person, the Great Blackstone, Harry Blackstone, making his first appearance at the get-together. Where have you gone? Colon, Michigan. Welcome to Where Have You Gone? People, places, and things that are gone but not forgotten, forgotten but not gone, and the people and places saving these stories for your enjoyment and benefit today. I'm Morris Eckhouse. When we left off on our road trip, I was driving from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Battle Creek, Michigan. The next morning, I headed into Michigan's Magic Belt. Colon, Michigan is 25 miles south of Battle Creek. Colon is the magic capital of the world and home to Abbott's Magic Company. Marshall, Michigan is 13 miles east of Battle Creek. Marshall is home to the American Museum of Magic. Considering the geography and the hours of operation, I decided to make a quick stop in Marshall and then drive on to Colon, 34 miles southwest of Marshall. Colon is in St. Joseph County. Marshall is the county seat of Calhoun County. Colon and Marshall, Abbott's and the American Museum of Magic, are both in south-central Michigan. To me, Abbott's and the American Museum of Magic are essentially in the same neighborhood. In fact, two visits to the American Museum of Magic were on the schedule of the 83rd Abbott's Magic Get-Together in August 2021. Colon is the magic capital of the world thanks, first and foremost, to Harry Blackstone and Percy Abbott. Blackstone arrived first in 1926. Abbott, also a magician, came later, and like Blackstone, he fell in love with the place. Abbott and Blackstone began a business called the Blackstone Magic Company. Unfortunately, they had a falling out. It was such a falling out that Blackstone never appeared at the get-together until 1961, after Percy Abbott's death. Percy Abbott began his magic company in 1934. He partnered with Riesel Bordner, and they held an open house in September 1934. That led to the first get-together in 1935. My first trip to Colon was in 1969. That was about a decade before the American Museum of Magic opened in Marshall in 1978. Walking Distance was the fifth episode of the first season of The Twilight Zone, broadcast on October 30, 1959 the day after I was born, or, if you like, my first full day out of the womb. Walking distance is about an adult man trying to go back to his childhood. Like the small town in walking distance, Colon is a small town, probably smaller than the town in walking distance. 
To my view, having been there only a handful of times since 1969, Colon has not changed much. Like Cooperstown, New York, home of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, the main street through the village, State Street, now has more magic-related businesses. Main Street in Cooperstown was once a variety of shops, but now they're almost all purveyors of baseball memorabilia. Cooperstown has made itself a mecca for baseball fans. Jamestown, New York, birthplace of Lucille Ball, home to the National Comedy Center and the Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Museum, is working to make itself the comedy capital of the world. Colon seems to maintain its quiet atmosphere, except for the annual magic get-together. As I drove from Marshall to Colon, I thought about the beginnings of my interest in magic. I believe it goes back to Snyder's Magic Shop. When I was but a lad of 9 or 10 years old, Snyder's Magic Shop was in downtown Cleveland at 216 West Superior Avenue, on the second floor, across from the Sheridan Cleveland Hotel. The hotel is still there. It's now the Renaissance. The building where Snyder's Magic Shop was located is long gone, bulldozed to make way for a new office building that never got built. The site has been a ground-level parking lot for many years. More than 50 years ago, I was able to walk out of my parents' house in Shaker Heights, walk around the corner to the rapid transit stop at Avalon and Van Aken, get on the westbound transit, and be in downtown Cleveland in the bowels of Terminal Tower in about 30 minutes. From there, it was a short walk up the ramp to Public Square, across the street and into the building at 216 West Superior Avenue, up the one flight of stairs, and into the magic shop. I can still remember the hardwood floor, sawdust, and an assortment of card tricks and illusions for amateurs and professionals alike. Maybe everyone has a place they want to return to. Within the space-time continuum, I can make the trip to the exact place I was 50 years ago, but I can't make the trip back 50 years. I'll continue with the trip I did make after a short break. We hope you're enjoying this second season episode of Where Have You Gone? If you've missed any of our previous episodes, fear not. We don't throw away anything. Our first season consisted of 13 episodes about 12 people in one place, plus a 14th episode recapping the first season. Seek them out at your favorite podcast sources or our website, whygpodcast.com. My first stop in Colon, once I parked on Canal Street, was the library. The Colon Township Library was founded in 1897. It's been at 128 South Blackstone Avenue since 1914. According to the library website, a bequest of $15,000 by Oliver and Mary Culver allowed for the building. The current building is much different from the first times I went to Colon, and even the last time Alan and I went to Colon. In 2006, a major addition nearly doubled the size of the main floor, and added a ground-level entrance with an elevator for accessibility on the Canal Street side of the building. Years ago, in front of the library, 
a two-sided Michigan historic site marker honored Harry Blackstone on one side and Colon on the other side as the magic capital of the world. The marker was unveiled during the 1977 get-together. Harry Blackstone Jr., a legendary magician in his own right, read the text. I'm told that the marker has been relocated in front of the Colon Historical Museum at 219 North Blackstone Avenue. The library sits between the post office and Village Pharmacy, both on the east side of South Blackstone, and Abbott's Magic Factory at 124 St. Joseph Street. Unlike the library, Abbott's doesn't look that much different from when I first went in there. There's still an office area when you enter the building. Behind the office is a showroom where magic is still performed. There's also the ceiling. For decades, the ceiling has been covered with posters from the great magicians' stage shows and of films like Houdini, starring Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh. Keep an eye out for the stray playing card affixed to the ceiling, among the posters promoting Thurston and Germain the Wizard and many others. The showroom at Abbott's today, like Snyder's Magic Shop in Cleveland decades ago, has a bit of all things magic, including publications. It seems like publishing has always been an important component for the company. In January 1936, Abbott's published the first issue of Tops. The original issue was actually titled The Tops and subtitled An Independent Magazine of Magic. Howard Mel Melson became editor of the magazine in 1940. It ceased publication in 1957, not too long before Melson's death on December 12, 1958. The end of the original Tops magazine also coincided with a downturn in the popularity of magic stage shows and the rise of television. Still, the magazine was resurrected as The New Tops, edited by Neil Foster in January 1961. It continued publication until December 1994. There's a wonderful article about Melson by Gene Gordon in that first issue of The New Tops. You can find it at colonmuseum.com by searching for Howard Melson, M-E-L-S-O-N. Today, Abbott's has an extensive line of publications. Most of them are about performing magic, or illusions if you prefer, but some of them are about magic history. Those include the Abbott Magic Collection Volume 1, The Percy Abbott Years, and Volume 2, The Riesel Bordner Years, covering roughly 1934 to 1972. They're filled with stories about the get-togethers of those years and other news of the company and the world of magic. By 1961, the big evening magic shows at the get-together were being staged in what was then the new Colon High School Auditorium. In 2021, the 83rd get-together took place, with the evening shows again taking place at Colon High School. When I left Abbott's, I went around the corner onto State Street and stopped in at the Fab Magic Manufacturing Company at 212 East State Street it's one of the new, or newer, it opened in 2003, magic establishments on the block. At Fab Magic, I came upon a recording titled Wilma Wrench, a tribute to magicians. For decades, Wilma Wrench was to Abbott's get-togethers, as Clark Wilson is to the Ohio Theater and the Kappa Summer Movie Series in Columbus. 
There's a nice picture of Wilma in Abbott's publication about the Riesel-Bordner years from the 1962 get-together, and she's mentioned in John Braun's review of the 1969 get-together. It was her 18th year on the job. Wilma continued playing at the get-togethers until she retired in 2011. Selections of Wilma's organ playing on the recording include Lady of Spain. You may remember that one from the film Slapshot. Swanee, Over the Rainbow. And lastly, There's No Business Like Show Business. When you heard There's No Business Like Show Business, you knew that the intermission was ending and the magic acts were coming back on stage. The recording is available at fabmagic.com. My last stop in Colon was Lakeside Cemetery. The cemetery was established in 1832. It was one acre in size. It's now eight acres. It's near Sturgeon Lake and a bit more than a mile northwest of the library on the way out of town. Lakeside Cemetery is almost certainly home to the graves of more magicians than any other cemetery, from Harry Blackstone to Carol Fox to Johnny Thompson the great Tom Sony. Wilma Wrench's late husband Jack was a magician and musician. Born in 1924, he died in 2002, and he's buried at Lakeside Cemetery. Wilma's birth date, October 26, 1929, is already on the headstone that reads Wrench at the top, and underneath that, a lifetime of music and magic with musical and magical images in the upper corners. The most prominent grave marker is Blackstone's. The four-sided marker beneath the image of an eternal flame, or maybe it's a rose, or maybe it's something else. Nobody seems to be entirely sure. Beneath the image are the names and the birth dates and death dates of Blackstone, born Harry Boughton, September 27, 1885 to November 16, 1965, his look-alike brother, Peter, March 2, 1887 to May 1, 1968. Blackstone Jr., June 30, 1934 to May 14, 1997. And Harry Jr.'s son, Harry Blackstone III, who died tragically in a freak accident in 1984 at age 25. Most of the magicians are congregated in the southwest corner of the cemetery, near where Colon Road meets North Farrand Road. If you want to know more about these magicians, get a hold of a wonderful book titled The Magic Graveyard by the magician known as Al the Only, born Alfred Ullman Jr. in 1958. It was first published in 2014, with additional editions in 2017 and 2019. The 2017 edition is the 75th year edition, published 75 years after Earl Lee Skippy Lamore became the first magician buried in the cemetery in 1942. The book includes an introduction by Gay Blackstone, Harry Jr.'s widow, who has carried on the magical Blackstone tradition.
Do you have an idea for an episode of Where Have You Gone? A person, place, or thing gone but not forgotten, or forgotten but not gone, with a connection to the mid-20th century? If you do, let us know. Connect with us on Facebook at Where Have You Gone Podcast, or on Twitter at WHYG Podcast. And now, back to the show. After looking at many of the headstones of the magicians in Lakeside Cemetery, I got in my car and drove back to Battle Creek. I enjoyed my visit to Colon, and I was satisfied that there was nothing I was going to do that was going to transport me back to 1969, at least not on this trip. My thoughts remained with magic on the drive north. Even in recent years, I've acquired new books about magic history. There's The Magical Life of Marshall Brodine, published in 2007 by McFarland. If you're of a certain age, you're almost certain to remember the TV ads with Marshall Brodine for TV Magic Cards or TV Magic Show, a 12-trick box of magic. There's The Secret History of Magic by Peter Lamont and Jim Steinmeier, published in 2018. There's Magic is Dead by Ian Frisch. If you're interested in modern-day practitioners of magic, more interested in close-up performing rather than the old-school top hat and tails style. I've mentioned Steinmeier's book about Howard Thurston, the last greatest magician in the world. There may be more books about Harry Houdini than all the other magicians combined. One of the latest, if not the latest, is The Life and Afterlife of Harry Houdini by Joe Posnansky. Joe's a wonderful writer. His earlier books have included The Soul of Baseball, about Buck O'Neill, The Machine, about the 1975 Cincinnati Reds, and The Secret of Golf, about Jack Nicklaus and Tom Watson. Keep an eye out for Joe's newest book, The Baseball 100. It sounds like a pretty magical work. And there's more magic ahead in the next episode of Where Have You Gone? when I return to Marshall, Michigan, and the American Museum of Magic. I'm Morris Eckhouse, host of Where Have You Gone? Our music was composed and performed by Harry Richardson. Our logo was designed by Jeff Santala. The Where Have You Gone podcast is produced by Alan Eckhouse. Where Have You Gone is a production of The Morwin Company. <laughs>